From Buck Studio at Wisconsin Public Radio, this is Zorba Pastor on your health. I'm Tom Clark, here again with Family Doc Zorba Pastor, talking with you about what's new in healthy living, sharing some down-to-earth advice and great lifestyle tips to help you get the most out of life. If you have a question for the good doc, the number to call is 800-462-7413. And along with your calls, we have some topics to talk about, Zorba. Yes, we're going to talk about PFAS, chemicals that contaminate Wisconsin's waterways and other places across the U.S. And meditation may help you make fewer mistakes. Mm-hmm. And uh, a yummy recipe? Yes, sweet potato, pomegranate. Crostini. Mmm, good. Doesn't it just make your mouth water just thinking about sweet potatoes, Tom? Not, just not thinking a, about not it. Not a big sweet potato <laughs> not fan. I have a to be sweet honest with potato you. fan. <laughs> 800-462-7413 is our number. 1-800-462-7413. To the phones we go now, Zorba. We welcome a listener in Jacksonville, Florida. Hi. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. How can we help? Well, every time I go for a blood draw, I drink a lot of water, so it helps not hurt, and mm-hmm. it, my blood is pulled faster. Mm-hmm. And the last few times I've gone, my doctor has been alarmed by the lack of sodium in my body, and she called me up the about a week ago and said, you need to go to the emergency room, and I'm wow. going, what the heck? Huh. And she said, your sodium level is is very, very low, and I'm worried that you might have a stroke mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. And so I went, and they tested me again, and it was just at 133, mm-hmm. which was yeah. okay. Yeah. Based, right. She tells me that the blood, I mean, the levels should be anywhere from 135 to 145. Mm-hmm. And... My levels have been around 127 to 130. Got it. Uh-huh. And, I mean, all you hear is drink tons of water. Yeah. You know, drink however many glasses a day to, sure. to give sure. a lot of water in your system. So why is this happening? Well, first first of all, let's let's go back a few things. Um, are you on any medications, by the way? Any diuretics at all? Um, I am on a... Um, you got a blood pressure thing? Um, starts with an M. Metoprolol? Metoprolol? Okay, just yeah. one pill yeah. or two pills? Just just metoprolol? One. Just one pill. Okay. Because uh-huh. some blood pressure pills lower sodium. Diuretics traditionally lower sodium a little bit. Um, well, let's talk about a few things. First of all, you're not that abnormal. You're within an okay range. When we develop the normals, they're the normals for 95% of the population. But 5% of the population who has no problem at all falls outside of that normal range. And you're one of that 5%. I mean, my mother told me everybody's 98.6 when it comes to their temperature. And the answer is no, actually, everybody. But he is not 98.6. <laughs> there was just the line on those mercury thermometers. Get to that line, you're 98.6. No. So your <laughs> sodium is a little bit low. Now, if your sodium is like 115 or 118, that is significantly low. But if you're running a little bit of low sodium, that's just your normal. And uh, and some people actually can faint and become a little dizzy. You can't get a you're you're not gonna get a stroke from a sodium that low. I would not be concerned. That's your normal. I wouldn't Good. be concerned. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why your doctor is is over concerned about it. You're not in a medication that does it, and that's your normal. That's the way it is. Okay. And we we all have different normals. Many of us, again, at temperature, have a normal of 98.6, but the normals are set up based on big populations. And you are just a special person, mm-hmm. and your sodium. <laughs> I've is, been told that before. That's that's, exactly, that's right. <laughs> That's right. And now you're special from the sodium point of view, too. So don't worry about it. Now, those eight glasses of water a day, that's a made-up number. There's no magic number for that either. I mean, what if you're hot outside and you're a bricklayer in Jacksonville in the summer? You need more water than you are if you're you're inside. Basically, I always tell people if your urine is generally hydrated, we look at our pee when we pee. We know what dehydrated urine looks like. You want to keep it light and tea-colored, you're fine. And there's no magic number. And we have become water crazy. We are a water 
Totally. You look at the number of people who die in marathons. They don't die from a lack of water. There are about five to ten deaths approximately every year or two on marathons because people overhydrate and they end up drinking too much water. So drink when you're thirsty. Get in touch with your body. Don't drink when you're not thirsty. That's what I'd recommend. Okay, and that sounds great. And you're special. That just is you're good special. common sense. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're special. Yeah. <laughs> you can even get a little tag, put it on, put it on your clothing. I'm special because my sodium is low. What's your sodium? <laughs> you know, we have a little sign. It. <laughs> it's stamped on my forehead. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. So, well, well, thank you so much. You, I feel so much better. Oh, you're welcome. I think my doctor just errs on being over. Over-concerned. That's right. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. So, okay. Wonderful. Thanks for your call. Y'all have a blessed day. Thank you, you so too. much. Thank, thank you so much for that call at 800-462-7413. On her forehead. On her forehead. A voicemail now, Zorba, from El Paso, Texas. Calling in regards of uh, nutritional uh, vitamins that my son, Holly, recommended that uh, it's called uh, sea moss. Sea moss. Okay, sea moss. So sea moss is sort of, it's a red seaweed. It's an Irish moss. It grows in tidal inlets. You know, obviously it grew in Ireland. It's actually harvested in New Zealand, and, and that's to extract something called carrageen. Now, carrageen, carrageenian, is a gelatinous carbohydrate that's used in baked goods cosmetics, and actually for many years was used in McDonald's milkshakes. I don't know if they use them in milkshakes anymore (laughs) to thicken milkshakes. So sea moss is actually, the stuff in sea moss has been used for years and it can be eaten on our own. But since Kim Kardashian posted that she has been drinking sea moss smoothies, it's gone off the charts. I should have bought, maybe she bought futures in sea moss. So everybody is eating sea moss. They think sea moss, I mean, there are articles that say Sea moss can prevent Parkinson's disease. Sea moss can improve the immune system. Sea moss can make your marriage better. And sea moss has got some vitamins in it, B12, calcium, some chromium, magnesium, and zinc. Now, I'm actually for sea moss, and I'll tell you why. Mm. All different kinds of greens we know produce good food. And we know the brighter the green, the more nutrition there is. So if you want to put sea moss in your milkshake and obviously in your smoothie, if you want to put it in, it might not be a green, but it comes from a green, and it may actually be good for you. And that's why I think Kim Kardashian started putting sea moss in her (laughs) stuff. She said, this is going to make my life better. And we all know that Kim Kardashian is the bastion of nutritional information. Whatever she says is truth is truth. Yeah, and remember when you talk with your friends about this, you heard this on Zorba that's, Pastor. That's right. That's, that's right. That's right. You got it exactly. <laughs> Question for Zorba, 800-462-7413. But before our next call, Zorba, uh, PFAS Chemicals, Contaminating Wisconsin waterways and soil. That's right. They're called they're called PFAS. You can you can say PFAS, but you can say it faster and call it PFAS. And these are uh, this is a, this is a big problem, and it's a problem because we actually don't know what it means and what to do about. It. So there, the residents there's a, a Campbell, Wisconsin, little four square mile island uh, in the Mississippi River, right around the cross between the cross between Wisconsin and Minnesota, learned that this chemical, which comes from firefighting foam that they use in the neighboring airport, had probably been contaminating their private wells for decades. And the issue is whether or not it's causing cancer and other issues. And there's been a lot of cancer in that town, and people wonder it's from PFAS. PFAS, these are called forever chemicals because they never go away. They stand for polyfluoral ankle chemicals, aconeal chemicals. And they're in dozens and dozens of industrial products because they're not only used uh, to put out fires, but they're also used because we put them on, uh, on, on cloth because they produce stain resistance and heat resistance. And the question is, 
what do these mean? Yeah. And what do they cause? And do they really cause cancer? And so the feds have moved in and said, we're not exactly sure. So some people, yes, say these are chemical causing uh, cancers. And in large amounts, there are municipal wells across the state that have stopped. There's one well in Madison, Wisconsin, that has said we can't pump out of that well because of PFAS chemicals. And in Eau Claire, about half of the municipal wells have PFAS contaminants. So are these contaminants important? Should we be getting them out of the well? Is Wisconsin unique? We don't really have the answers to these. So environmentalists say, yeah, these are important. We've got to get them out the well. They're bad for us. And then you have pushback on the other side that says, wait a minute, we're not really sure how bad they are. Let's look at the scientific evidence before we spend all this money getting them out of the well. Is that really important? It's a problem in an industrialized society. Yeah. Do we know how many, how often this happens? Or- well, we're just beginning to discover that they're actually in wells. We're just beginning to discover that they may be more widespread. And we always worried about cancer. Why? Because there's a lot of cancer in yeah. our society and are we producing Well, do we know how to get rid of this stuff? Or? Well, the municipal, uh, the they're getting pushback basically from the water, from the people who are taking care of our water saying, we are having trouble getting rid of this. We don't know how exactly to get rid of this. We mm. don't know how to do this. In a cost-effective way, and then what if your tax rates and your water rates go up at home because we're reducing PFAS? We get pushback from people on their water bills, and that's kind of where we're sitting. So we have a lot of questions and maybe not a lot of answers. You hit yet. it right in the head. A lot of questions, don't have answers, but PFAS is in the news, and frankly, I don't have an answer for it. Now, on one side, I know I'll get. People say, you got to get it out of the water. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, but then you get bottled water. Do you have bottled water in your house? That's expensive. That costs money. And are these PFAS chemicals, do they really cause a problem? Well, right now the Environmental Protection Agency has said we're looking into it, and that's kind of where we're at. Hmm. 800-462-7413 is our number. That's 1-800-462-7413. Now, Zorba, we have a voicemail from Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Dr. Zorba, I have lung cancer. I took a scan, a PET scan, and it showed that it was coming back. It wasn't in remission. Well, actually, yeah, it had shrunk. What I'm wanting to know is, is chemo advanced a little bit more now so that you don't suffer so much? I understood that it used to be the treatment was worse than the disease. So thank you for talking about this. Goodbye. She hit that right in the head. It used to be, especially because of nausea, that it was worse than the disease because chemo caused lots of nausea and we did not have effective treatments for that. And so people would be retching and they would be sick. Well, it turns out we now have very, very good treatments for nausea. Very good treatments. Ondansetron was the first drug in the market for nausea. There are other drugs. And so we really have a lot of nausea, uh, you know, controlled. Chemo has also improved. There's a lot of chemo which doesn't cause any side effects. There are other chemos where people will say it knocks me out for a few days and then I get better. But the answer is chemo is much better than it used to be. And there are wide varieties of chemo. And so if the PET scan, which is a way of uh, looking at cancer and when it comes back, says you need chemo, the answer is for most, of, for most people, give it a try and see. If it knocks you, maybe you can try a lower dose or maybe you can try a different chemo. But it's not the same as it used to be where the cure was worse uh, than the disease itself. We have come a long way since that time. Oh, good. 800-462-7413 is our number. 1-800-462-7413. And before we take a break now, Zorba, as you know, we get so many questions from our wonderful listeners, but we also get calls from listeners who just want to share a comment or a health tip. So it's time again for that segment we call Caller Comments. This is a bunch of caller comments. People calling us with their health tips. Thanks. We appreciate it. Okay, Zorba, on a past show, a listener emailed us with a boating tip. They used to work for the Department of Natural Resources, and a colleague had told them that a high percentage of the male bodies, 
recovered from drownings had their zippers <laughs> right, down. Right, that's right. Their zippers down. <laughs> right. So, Zorba, you agreed that the DNR should do a public service announcement about this, and you asked our listeners right. to send us what the jingle might be for that commercial. Well, we got some great responses, including the original ditty from a listener named Bob, who was nice enough to serenade us. We took the liberty to add some musical accompaniment <laughs> under it, so let's hear it. If you're peeing, peeing off your boat, wear your life vest, it keeps you afloat. If you fall into the lake because of syncope, it will keep your head above, and that's a guarantee. Wear your life vest. That's great. That's great. <laughs> I got. We got to do it. We got to spread it out of the lakes of Wisconsin <laughs> and across the country. There's the jingle. Yeah, he could hold a tune. That guy could hold a tune. Yeah, <laughs> we should have him on the show every Absolutely. week. And you know, what we'll call him the Zipper Man. <laughs> more of your calls coming up. More of your emails too, and we'll be uh, putting together a tasty appetizer recipe. All of that coming up on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX, the public radio exchange. Tom Clark with Family Doc Zorba Pastor here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. That number again is 800-462-7413 if you have a question for Zorba. But Zorba, before our next caller, sweet potato pomegranate crostini is yeah. our recipe. Yeah, you could. You were able to pronounce that. There was a, how about pomegranate? Uh, pomegranate. You can pronounce that, right? Pomegranate. Didn't, isn't that what I said? Yeah, you did. Oh, how about okay. crostini? Do you know what a crostini is? I have no idea. Yeah, well, neither did I. Let me tell you something. Crostina, <laughs> basically, it's an Italian appetizer, which has little kind of breads yeah. on it and stuff. And if we were Italian, we'd, we'd probably know what it is, but, yeah. but we're not Italian. Uh, now, are sweet potatoes your favorite thing to eat? Um, I don't like them at all. You don't like them at no. all. You know, and uh, I'm not a big sweet potato fan, but my uh, daughter, Didi, always says sweet potatoes, and her kids love sweet potatoes. Hmm. So we always have them in the house uh, whenever they come and visit. And then I put them in the drawer with the potatoes, and then I leave them there until they begin to sort of soften and squash, and then I throw them out. Because <laughs> somehow I go, I should have that sweet potato. It's good for me, but it's not my thing. However... With that in mind, yeah. this is a good recipe. Start out with one medium sweet potato chopped into small cubes. A medium sweet potato chopped into small cubes. You're going to have some extra virgin olive oil for drizzling. Extra virgin olive oil for drizzling. You're going to have some seasonings of your choice, maybe a little Aleppo pepper or some chili powder, mm -hmm. something else that you want to have. For those Seasonings things. of your choice. That's, uh, right. That's right. Seasoning. Yeah. A baguette sliced. A baguette sliced. Half a clove of garlic. Half a clove of garlic. Half a cup of pomegranate seeds and some sea salt. It says here, though, you didn't say the sunflower spread of or right. ricotta. Okay, so we have to. So this is another part of our recipe. Uh, so the sunflower spread one and a quarter cup of whole sunflower seeds. Of course, they would be whole. Who would use sunflower seeds that are not whole unless you're a baseball player chewing them? One and a quarter cup hulled sunflower seeds. You got to soak them in water overnight. 
Okay. A cup of fresh water. Cup of fresh water. Two tablespoonfuls of white wine vinegar. Two big tea white wine vinegar. Tablespoonful of lemon juice. One big tea lemon juice. Half a clove of garlic. Half a clove of garlic. Half a teaspoon of salt. Half a little tea salt. Now, before I show you how to make it, I want to tell you, if you could take all this recipe down in your car while driving, you get an award. That's all I want to tell you. All right, let's make the sunflower spread. Drain and rinse the sunflower seeds, and in a blender, combine the seeds, the water, the vinegar, the lemon juice, the garlic, the salt. Blend it until smooth and chill it. Okay. That was easy. All you got to do is throw all the stuff in the blender, put it in, put a little container, shove it in. Mm-hmm. You can do that a few days before. All right, now let's make the crostini. Preheat the oven to 400 degrees. Now, line two baking sheets with parchment paper so you don't have to clean up the baking sheets. Place the sweet potato cubes on one of those baking sheets, okay? Place the baguette slices on the other baking sheet. Drizzle them both with olive oil. Then, sprinkle the sweet potatoes with pinches of salt and pepper, toss them around, and roast the sweet potatoes for 35 minutes till they're about golden ground. You're basically roasting those potatoes. Toast the baguettes with the other sheet for about 10 minutes until it's crisp. So you've got crisp baguettes. You've got roasted sweet potatoes. Now, remove the baguette slices from the oven. Rub them with uh, that half garlic clove while they're still warm. Set it aside. Then, to make the grossini, slather the sunflower spread with some... Uh, with a little bit of the sunflower spread, put some of the sweet potato cubes on there, put a few pomegranate seeds on top, little cilantro seeds, season with a little bit of olive oil, and there you have it. One of the simplest recipes we have ever made on this show. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's not simple. But you know, with these complex recipes, once you divide it up into pieces, you really can make it well. And the thing about this recipe is if you serve it, to appetizers as a friend. They will compliment you. And if you want a copy of this recipe, come to our website, Zorba Pastor on Your Health. Again, that's Zorba Pastor on Your Health. And don't forget, you can find us through Facebook. 800-462-7413 is our number. That's 1-800-462-7413. Now we go back to the phone, Zorba, a listener with us in Norman, Oklahoma. Hi. Hi there. How can we help? Well, I'm calling about my husband. Um, he has had an inner ear that has been sore for over a year, and um, he says it feels like a sore throat. It's in his right ear only. At night, it is worse than daytime. So... Um, so far, he's seen a ear specialist who recommended he see an astrologist, and um, they thought it was acid reflux. So they recommended we raise our bed, the headboard, mm-hmm. and they put him on prescription, the highest dosage on Protonex, and um, it didn't seem to do any good. Didn't seem <laughs> so, to do any good in terms of what? The pain in his ear, he says it's like a sore throat. It's not uh-huh. really an ache like his earache. Mm-hmm. It's like a, like a soreness burning, and it's worse at night, and it's really uncomfortable. It wakes him up. Okay, so the ENT doc looked, and the ENT doctor said it looks like it might be acid reflux, sent him to the gastroenterologist who said, did, did he do a scope, the gastroenterologist? Yeah, he did an endoscope, and... Um, Yes, he had acid reflux, but they didn't feel like that had really that much to do with the ear. And so then they went on to, um, they've done a nasal scope, mm-hmm. and it just shows okay. irritation of the ear. Mm-hmm. And um, they did an MRI finally. Oh, they did um, a lot. Oh. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Well, a lot. it took like a matter of almost a year at the end. We just had the MRI maybe a couple months ago. Uh-huh. And they found a small menagonia tumor, mm-hmm. but we went to the neurologist after that, and the neurologist says it has nothing to do with the ear. It's common in people. Some people don't even know they have it. Mm-hmm. And um, he's on, you know, prescription meds like Netsport and uh, furosemide or something like furosemide, that. Furosemide, you mean a spray? The spray in his nose? Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so 
we have no answers yet. You no, know, we you don't. Really no, you don't. You've had you've had MRIs. He's been scoped. He has ear pain. He's on a steroid nasal spray, which is furosemide. One of the that's one of the things my go to. He's had acid reflux. They've looked at that, and he's still got ear pain. Yeah, and the next step, they say, well, um, we'll do a CAT scan eventually to view your nasal cavity uh-huh. because he's just very. You know, we're just well, he's. Of course, very frustrated. When you have ear pain or things like that, you think, first of all, of acid. That's certainly one of the, Well, first of all, you think of, of infection. That's not the first thing. But you think of whether or not acid reflux may be doing it just like it causes GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease, and we know that that can reduce a chronic cough. So that's one aspect that we look at. The other aspect you look at, obviously, is in the ear and the throat with a scope. He's had a gastroscope. Then they're looking to see whether or not there is something of significance the MRI scan sounds like it was an incidental finding of of no significance because neurologists looked at your he's really in many ways you're barking up a tree where you don't know exactly what's going on. This is a situation where I tell people this is where you have to go and get a second opinion at a highly specialized group like Mayo Clinic or the Cleveland Clinic. That's what you want to do. You have to want to see if your insurance will cover. Uh, Let me tell you a little about Medicare and Medicare insurance. So if you get Medicare Advantage, there's certain advantages from that. Hearing aids, eye examinations, dental. But the disadvantage is you have to stay within the group that that you have Medicare Advantage. So it's your local group. If you get regular old-fashioned Medicare, you can go anywhere you want to. And so my recommendation is, if he's not any better by the time he's entering Medicare, that you get regular Medicare. It may cost you some more money, but then you can go to a specialized clinic like Mayo Clinic and see if they have an idea. And then you may be on regular Medicare for a year, and then if you decide to go to Medicare Advantage, you do it the next year. But he's he's got to go to another place to have it looked at again because I have no idea what's causing his pain, but the pain is there, and it's very frustrating. Now... We don't always have the answer in medicine. I mean, the reality is we're so used to the fact that we can find what's going on that we think we can always find it. But the reality is he's had a big workup. It sounds like the workup has been thorough. You need somebody who just looks at ear pain and ears and says, yes, I want to see all the people that nobody else can solve. And I'll look at other things that they're not looking at. He needs a second opinion. Well, I'll um, explain that to him. You know, we've been to... um like OU Medical Center mm-hmm. is a teaching hospital. And they're really good, really good. And so yeah. they have, like, he's seen, like, the top, mm-hmm. you know, guys in each department. But I understand what you're saying. He's gotten a second opinion before all this with everybody, and it was kind of the same kind of thing, clueless also. So, yes, I understand what you're saying, and I think the Mayo Clinic kind of thing, you know, would be, you know, at least... Sort of the last what thing. Can I say? Now, possible, now possible how much pain? What does he take for his pain? He doesn't really take anything mm-hmm. for the pain. They um, they don't they don't suggest anything for the pain because it's not really a pain. It's a burning. So I don't think they view it like an ache, like an arthritic ache. So he has not taken ibuprofen for that or Tylenol. Yeah, yeah, he's tried ibuprofen. Um, Believe, you know, and that, that is n- that is not done anything at all. No. Okay. The only other thing, can I guess something silly? Not being medically person. Sure. <laughs> He's taken uh, an antihistamine to help him sleep. You mm-hmm. know, one of those yeah. over the counter. Mm-hmm. Would that be drying up everything so much that cause problems? Yes. <laughs> antihistamines can dry you up too much. How long has he been taking oh, well, antihistamines? He's been doing that forever. <laughs> not really forever, but you know, a long time. I have a suggestion before you get that second opinion. Okay. Stop taking the antihistamine. Oh, okay. Now, I wonder if that's the problem. If that's the problem, I want him to stop his antihistamine. <laughs> it may take a week or two. And if he's, if his discomfort in his ear goes away, you have to call us back and let us know. That's what you have to do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I that's a very simple try. We're willing to... Give that a try. And um, by the way, I'm from Chicago, and I love your tofu recipe. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, Tom's a big tofu plan. He's oh, yeah. a tofu <laughs> fan. So thanks, well, uh, th- thanks so well, much for your call. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. 
800-462-7413 Anyone who loves tofu, that's a great listener. 1-800-462-7413. Now, Zorba, we have a uh, voicemailer in Utah. My question is, any dietary help for microvascular disease or dementia, how can one help her or his brain from developing those issues? Thank you so much. Sure. Uh, That is a great question. So microvascular disease basically are little strokes that can happen in the brain. They can be a cause of dementia. And so how do we actually do it? Well, from a medical point of view, keeping your blood pressure, blood sugar, and cholesterol uh, cholesterol under control, very important. If you need to be on aspirin or Plavix or a blood thinner, you got to stay on it. But from a point of view of nutrition, a more Mediterranean diet, the more Mediterranean diet you can have, the better your brain health is going to be. And that means plentiful fruits and vegetables, eating the right fats, uh, such as olive oil, canola oil, and of course, having a fish uh, twice a week will make a difference. And that really makes a difference. And so from a nutritional point of view, follow a Mediterranean diet. If If you're not sure exactly what that is, Google it. There are many good books also on the Mediterranean diet, a Mediterranean diet for beginners, how people get into it and follow that. That is my best advice to help microvascular disease, Mm. especially how it affects the brain and dementia and heart attacks and stroke. If you have a question for Zorba, the number is 800-462-7413. Now, before the break, Zorba, we always appreciate our listeners posting on our Facebook page. Time again for Facebook Feedback. Facebook Feedback. Okay, Zorba, we recently posted a photo of me happily perched atop my new electric bike. The bike is equipped with a few storage baskets, so we asked our listeners to suggest items that I could carry with me while riding my new bike. Well, here's a small sampling of our listeners' replies, and this time, Zorba, let's have you Read the comments. Okay, okay. So John in Buffalo said, wow, Tom doesn't seem like an electric bike guy to me. I bet he's just modeling the bike for an ad. Not true. Not true. (laughs) I haven't ridden a bike in a long, long time, and I haven't ridden this one because it's cold now. But I bought it, and it's just sitting there in the store waiting for spring. Sounds wonderful. I can pick it up and ride. Spring will come, Tom. Mike in Wisconsin adds... As an avid electric bike rider, I'm afraid to put a basket on mine just in case I get the urge to put tofu in it. Uh, don't worry about it. You don't. I can promise you, you don't have to have tofu in the basket. A listener named Tom quips, how many frozen dinners can be held by those baskets? <laughs> one of the baskets is huge. So, uh, an unlimited number. <laughs> and finally, Tracy in Mishikawa, Indiana asks, wait, no sidecar for his wife going along with him? No, but my my wife is actually saying she thinks she might get a bike also. Oh, I love so it. So we can ride together. You can ride together. Yeah. Okay, okay. Thanks for all the Facebook comments. And if you have a healthy living question for the good doc, that's me, just post it on our Facebook page. Or the or bad can, co-host, that's me. You can always send us an email at zorba at wpr.org. More of your calls coming up. Another interesting topic to talk about. More listener emails as well. All right here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health from PRX, the public radio exchange.
Tom Clark with Family Doc Zorba Pastor, right here on Zorba Pastor on Your Health. That number is 800-462-7413 if you have a question for Zorba. But Zorba, before our next call, how meditation can help you make fewer mistakes. That's right. So meditation, mindfulness, has really become much more mainstream over the years. And, you know, it used to be sort of touchy-feely. You were outside of the mainstream doing it. And if you look, there are more and more things going on with meditation. And at the University of Wisconsin, Richie Davidson and the Center for a Healthy Brain has really helped mainstream what that is. And this particular type of meditation, it's a study that was done out of Michigan State University, uh, published in a, a journal called Basic Sciences. And it looked at meditation and whether or not some forms of meditation can actually help you avoid mistakes, you mm-hmm. know, mistakes. Do you ever make a mistake? No. No, no. Yeah. I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> Must be because we meditate all the time. Right, Tom? We're just that's always right. on right. task. Never make a mistake. Yeah, that's right. Dementia is the other thing that we have to worry about if we think of something like that. But anyway, some so some forms of meditation focus on a single object like your breath. Uh, but this open monitoring type of meditation they looked at is where you try to pay attention to everything going on with your mind and body to sit quietly, pay attention to where your mind travels, getting too caught up in the scenery, getting caught up in this. So it's a slightly different type of guided meditation. So they took participants who never meditated before, put them through a 20-minute open meditation monitoring while they measured brain activity through EEGs and then essentially through what they called a computerized distraction test. In other words, they did the same thing and they tried to distract you looking at the the EEG, rather, not the EKG, the EEG. And what they found was that people who had just meditated with this type of open meditation were less distracted when they were given a task to Mm -hmm. look at. In other words, they were not making as many mistakes. And now, how this actually applies to real life still has yet to be opened, but it appeared that in a test situation, they were not easily distractible when they did meditation, that it seemed to calm the mind. I think this is important because we don't really understand how to calm our minds in the middle of difficult situations or easy situations. So, you know, I mean, you have times that you can concentrate better, don't you? Yeah, yes. I guess, yeah. You know, yeah. Or time. Certainly when you're in school and college, weren't there other times when things were, were sort of going into yeah. your mind and it was easier to study? Well, do you meditate? I used to meditate quite a bit. I don't meditate as often as I used to, but I used to do it when I was younger. You know, but I do do some mindfulness and I find it helps me focus and, and yeah. calms me. You know, something you might want to consider, even in your ripe old age, Tom Clark could learn something. No, I'm, I'm, I'm taking that in because it does sound like kind of a nice idea. And it so. might be a nice idea to help from distraction. And it, frankly, as you get older, I think you become more distracted. I don't mean you. I mean everybody. Oh, you can say me. <laughs> 800-462-7413 is our number. 800-462-7413. To the phones again now, Zorba, with a listener in Westchester, New York. Hi. Hi. How are you? Fine. How can we help? Well, I have a little bit of a background, which is that up until my 30s, I had cats and I had no problems. And then after my 30s, I became allergic, so I didn't have cats for a long time. Then I heard that there is a such thing as hypoallergenic cats, which there's debate whether that's true or not. But in any case, I adopted a Siberian hypoallergenic, quote-unquote, cat, and the, the quotes are around the hypoallergenic, not the cat. She was definitely a cat. Anyway, so, <laughs> um, I adopted her and lived happily with no allergies, even though she slept on my face and I never reacted at all. Mm-hmm. Well, a tiny bit. If she ever punctured my skin mm-hmm. a little bit, I would feel itchy a little, but very, very little reaction. So um, she has now passed away, and I am looking for another cat, and I am wondering a few things. One, Could my allergies have gone away because as I am kind of testing other cats, I'm not really reacting, and I wonder if I've just over time gotten more, if my system has gotten used to being around a cat from her, and then also I'm worried about 
adopting a kitten and then as it gets older, maybe the allergens grow stronger because I'm testing with kittens and I'm not having any reaction. And then I've heard from people just anecdotally that their allergies sort of come and go. And I don't know if that's an age thing or if there's anything you can do to control that. And any insight about any of this would be super helpful. Oh, sure. First of all, allergies can go away. You can be allergic to dogs and cats, and then you're not as allergic. And that happens to be me. I used to be pretty allergic to cats. I would sneeze, my eyes would itch. Now if I go into a house with somebody with a cat, it it doesn't bother me at all. Cats, by the way, always know if people are allergic to them because they immediately come up and they try to rub against you and (laughs) get get close to you because they know, hey, you're allergic. Let's see if I can see a response. They just seem to know that. Uh, But yes, you're Allergy, allergies can come and go, but as we get older, many of us actually grow out of allergies, and they don't bother you as much. And this really has to do with the fact that your immune system, actually, as you get older, is often not as robust as you were younger. So the answer is, yeah, you might get a cat. There's a very good chance you'll never develop an allergy. Always a possibility, but a very good chance. If you've noticed that in real life, when you're in people who have cats in their house, you're not bothered. So, I mean, you love cats. You had a cat. You had, a quote, a hypoallergenic cat. And once again, that really is a question of whether or not, because it's also their dander. It's not just their hair. But by all means, you had a cat before and you did it. Well, get yourself another cat. I mean, animals are wonderful to have in the, in the house. How, when did your cat die? About two, About two weeks ago. About two weeks ago. Well, the best way to mourn an animal is with another animal. You know, and when our dogs die, the first thing we do is get another dog. You've got to get another cat. All right. And can you tell me, do you know if testing with a kitten is different than a cat? Do they have more allergens when they're older? I don't think so. I don't think there's enough science to make that clear. But I don't think that there's really going to be a significant difference between the kitten and the cat. Now, there might be some pushback from some of our veterinarian friends who listen to us. But I think over time, from what what I've learned, you know, same with puppies and with dogs. They're just different. And if you already have had a cat for all those years and you were able to tolerate it, you should be able to tolerate another cat. And that will be good for your heart and for your soul. Definitely. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for your call. Appreciate that call at 800-462-7413. You know, we have lots of animal lovers who listen to our show. Maybe we should do Zorba Pastor on your animals. Maybe we should have a whole animal show about the benefits of having animal in your house. You always love dogs. You always have a dog in your house, don't you, Tom? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, not lately, but we're thinking of getting one. I think actually. you should get one. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like walking in the house, you know, and having a dog you, or a cat. You think I should get one? Yeah, 100%. Will you come over 100%. and walk the dog <laughs> <laughs> when it's 10 below <laughs> zero? <laughs> I don't think so. 800-462-7413 is our number. 1-800-462-7413. Uh, Zorba, let's crack open the Zorba pastor on your health inbox now and take a listener email. The following question came from Ben, who listens to the show on WBFO in Buffalo, New York. Ben writes, Zorba, I'm an old guy who recently had a prostate procedure that led to blood loss and anemia. I went on an iron pill and diet and lots of high iron foods like meats, etc., to cure the anemia. To complicate things, my kidney functions became very low, close to dialysis time, and I was told, among other things, to avoid Mm -hmm. meats Uh and a high iron diet. Mm -hmm. So... Which of these two pieces of advice should be the most important? And is there a middle ground diet? I love your show. Well, thank you very much. Well, first of all, there's always there's always the middle ground. You've got to look first at kidney function and see what's going on. And you want to talk to a nephrologist if you have any questions. Uh, one of the issues is sodium. Sodium being you want to reduce sodium because that really helps relax the kidneys. They have more – they take more energy with sodium. And if you're close to dialysis, that's the number one thing in front. I mean that really counts. Now, as for an anemia with iron in your diet, uh, you know, high iron diet. 
diets used to be liver. Did you like liver, Tom? Never, no, never, no, never. no, no. Well, you, you said that right away. You oh just, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like instantaneous. Absolutely. Yeah, instantaneous. <laughs> that you're on, the, you're on the no liver diet. You got it. Yes. Yeah, see, 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 we had liver every Thursday, and liver was filled with iron because it's bloody. Mm. I mean, that's what liver is. So it used to be, and uh, and so what I would think I would do is talk to the nephrologist, talk to the kidney specialist. They're the ones or the dietitian who knows about that. They're the ones that will lead you to a balanced diet so you can take care of your anemia and take care of your kidneys. 800-462-7413 is the number to call anytime with your question for Dr. Zorba. Let's now hear a voicemail from a youper. That's a listener in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Recently on TV, I seen uh, it was about the next upcoming salt scare. That's what I call it. Um, they're going to start reducing salt in just about everything you buy. And I got high blood pressure, and I eat salt as much as more than probably more than anybody does. And my blood pressure is, is pretty. I take medication for it, and my blood pressure is, is fine. Um, I'm just wondering what kind of views uh, Dr. Zorba has on that. Thanks. Well, we we do have too much salt in our diet. We're supposed to have, I, I can't remember the number of milligrams, 1,500 or 2,000 milligrams. I always have to look it up. But it, basically about a teaspoon, teaspoon and a half salt a day. And most people get about three to four times as much salt as they need. Uh, is that bad for us? Well, for people who are salt sensitive, it can cause high blood pressure. People have kidney problems. It can worsen the kidney problems. So the salt scare, as you call it, has been there for a long time because we have too much salt in our diet. So the bottom line is, yes, whenever you can cut salt, you definitely want to cut salt. Uh, medications help with high blood pressure. There's no doubt about it. But I think being salt prudent makes a difference. You know, looking at the salt that you put on foods and other things, I think keeping it to a moderate amount really will make a difference. Low salt diets really don't taste very good to most people. They often supplement them with foods that are hot and spicy. But I find a certain amount of salt really makes food tasty. I just don't want to oversalt it. And we oversalt it with snacks. We oversalt it with if you get any prepared foods at the store. On the whole, it's, on the whole, it's loaded with salt. Why? Because it sells better. I mean, look at typical Campbell's soup. It has lots of salt. You look at a at the serving, and that basically is as much salt as you need for the entire day, unless you buy the low sodium one. Once, by the way, you get used to a lower salt diet, it actually tastes good. When I came back from Tibet, when I was out there, when I was out for a month, we had hardly any salt. The first thing I noticed coming into America was how salty the food was. After about a week, I didn't notice it. Why? My body, my brain, my tongue, and my taste buds had adjusted. So lower salt will help you. Hmm. 800-462-7413 is our number. Uh, Before we head out, Zorba, we often hear from the grammar police, but wait, Brad, don't play that sting-inspired theme song quite yet, because Zorba, on a recent show, You were talking about using a long-handled brush for washing your dishes, and you were questioning the use of a microwave to sterilize old sponges. So now we get to absorb some blowback (laughs) from the sponge police. Oh, no. It's the... Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Okay, Zorba. The following email. The following Carl email. And Brad have outdone themselves. Abs- hooray! Hooray! This email came to us from Ron in Grafton, Wisconsin. Ron writes, "Doctor Zorba, our society has a fetish regarding germs. You cannot get or need an antiseptic environment." Evidence shows that kids raised on farms are healthier than city kids. When I was a child in the 1940s, we washed dishes with a dish rag, which were (laughs) undoubtedly no cleaner than today's sponges. How many bacteria live on a dry plate? My maternal grandparents raised 15 children— 
15 children, it's a to, lot of children to adulthood. It's a lot of children. I spent every summer on their farm, no running water, no indoor plumbing, oh, wow. no electricity. I drank unpasteurized milk. If you still are squeamish, use water with a little bleach to dip sponges. Well, first of all, first of all, in the 1940s, that's about what you had, a dish rag. That's what they were. They were rags. You kind of washed right, it off the right, plate. Right. I mean, I don't know of a lot of people who would use a dish rag today. They would certainly use a sponge. But we have become, we have in many ways become overly squeamish. My daughters, when they come to the house, the first thing they do is they look at the sponges because I may be using a sponge too much. <laughs> so I've learned before they come that the sponge police are actually coming to my house and I have to put out fresh sponges. But the reality is kind of keeping those bacteria under control really can make a difference. <laughs> His grandmother may have had 15 kids, but if one of them had diarrhea and they didn't really wash the plates well, all 15 of them probably had diarrhea, which really wasn't good for the outhouse because they were going back and forth, especially if they lived in Wisconsin in the wintertime. And by the way, if folks, if you've never gone to an outhouse in the winter in Wisconsin, let me tell you something. It's a trip. <laughs> it's a trip. I remembered I wasn't brought up on a farm. I was a city boy, but I had friends who had a farm. And the outhouse in the wintertime, it's no, no trip. No, thank you. So getting, getting back to the issue at hand, which is not outhouses. Yes, prudency makes a difference. If you have a sponge, you want to keep it clean. And if not, you could change your sponges once a week. Or you could take a dish rag and put it in the dishwasher in between after you use it for a couple of times. Do you want to join the ever-growing factions of the Grammar Police? Just post on our Facebook page or send us an email at Zorba at WPR.org. And don't forget, after you post it, wash those keys. See you next week, Zorba. <laughs> Stay well, Tom. If you missed anything during the show or just want to stream the show online anytime, visit us on the web at zorbapastor.org. And we're always there on Facebook, too. And don't forget you can call us anytime and leave us your question at 800-462-7413. Zorba Pastor on Your Health is a production of Wisconsin Public Radio. It's not intended as a medical diagnosis, so please do check with your doc. Our executive producer is Carl Christensen. Our technical director is Brad Kohlberg. Our theme music is by Leo and Ben Sedrin. For Zorba Pastor, I'm Tom Clark, asking you to join us on the next Zorba Pastor on Your Health. Did you miss something on today's show? Simply go to ZorbaPastor.org to catch up on all things Zorba. There you will find recipes from the show, links to the Facebook page, Zorba's healthy living articles, and you can subscribe to the weekly podcast. On the web, that's ZorbaPastor.org.